Mad Dog. Shh, I'm listening to reason. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? It's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Good morning. I'm here. Welcome to the Center Cut. I am Michael. Matt was frightening. <laughs> I am Dave. And we have Matt Kelly with us today. Hello, Matt. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> Matt, thank you for being here. You wear so many hats, including Geekscape.net. Your producer of One Hit Thunder, which we love the podcast. Your co-host of Horror Movie Night co-owner of we know podcasting.com and i'm sure i'm missing stuff too all right so i actually produce five weekly shows so wow. there's roaring 20s christmas 365 which i also co-host before my time with gelsey laurie and then as you mentioned horror movie night and one hit thunder and then yep i'm the the head of content over at geekscape.net i also edit 98 percent of all the videos on the youtube channel geekscape tv and run all the instagrams for all of those different accounts and then co-found we know podcasting with chris Fafalios, that's who's been on this show before mm-hmm. and yeah we have a bunch of different podcasts that we produce it's a it's a fun life it's a it's a non-stop barely get to sleep kind of life but it's <laughs> but it's a fun life but that raises I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna break format a little bit for a second all right it raises an interesting question that i've been living at a million miles an hour for most of my life and i've still managed to see peewee's big adventure about a million <laughs> times but somehow neither one of you <laughs> in your lifespan stumbled into peewee's big adventure before i suggested it i threw i thought that was a throwaway suggestion <laughs> no so i mean obviously I'm aware of its existence, and I'm more than aware of Pee Wee Herman's existence. I'll talk about that in a second. I had just never seen this movie. I remember watching a pretty considerable amount of Pee Wee's Playhouse when I was a kid. It was like reruns. And I am actually pretty surprised that I've never seen the movie. I don't know <laughs> how it escaped my uh, my purview, but apparently it did. Well, maybe it's just I had bad parents, because when I was like three or four... <laughs> Literally, the only things I watched over and over again were Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice. It was a very, it was a very Tim Burton household mm. <laughs> for for my yeah. childhood. So this is like one of the first favorite movies I ever had. I was I was floored that you guys had never seen this. That kind of explains why you ha- wear so many hats. Are you just unhappy with a constant normal day to day type thing? Very much so. Miserable. I've worked desk jobs, and I'm it's yeah. the most my depression kicks in is when I'm working like a regular every day is the same desk job. Because I would job. say probably <laughs> both of those characters that are pretty major in both of those uh, Beetlejuice <laughs> and Pee Wee are very like spacey and just like all over the place and like you need to like be constantly doing different stuff. I think it's a combination of that and then like I, I don't know how I feel like you guys are close to the same age as me but you might mm-hmm. be a little bit younger a little bit older 
but like growing up in like the hyper apathetic 90s as well where it was like my first favorite music was like grunge and alternative rock and like watching stuff like beavis and butthead and daria and then like high school comes around and becoming like the world's biggest kevin smith fan like (laughs) just kind of raised around content that basic message was like fuck the man like don't like don't work for a job it's it's admirable to be a slacker like i feel like that's the message of that movie singles (laughs) is like don't date the business guy who's got it all together and is going to help your career date the borderline heroin addict who's never going to make it as a musician (laughs) yeah like like, he's definitely the better the better (laughs) your option yeah that explains a little bit into to your psyche and stuff and i'll expect your insurance submission and your copay at the end of the episode (laughs) i work in the entertainment industry i don't got no insurance what are you talking about (laughs) insurance (laughs) well you said that your parents letting you watch peewee's big adventure when you're a kid makes them bad parents i would submit that what my parents did makes them bad parents so by not showing you peewee's big adventure no so I, i mentioned this in our ask me anything episode last summer but not everybody's heard that. So when I was four or five, my parents put a life-size poster of Pee Wee Herman on my bedroom wall right mm-hmm. at eye level when I laid in bed. And I think that explains a lot. I had a talking peewee doll that sat in the corner of my room and terrified me every time that I had to take like a night tinkle. Like it was like, <laughs> was just looking at me with his dead plastic eyes. <laughs> like, yeah. So the thing is like this dude was huge in the late 80s and early 90s. And we can't escape this episode without at least mentioning it. So let's get it out of the way. In 1991, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee himself, was arrested for masturbating in a movie theater, and that doomed his career. Yeah. This is always my thing, though. Why show porn in a theater? Like, what the hell do you expect to happen with that? I mean, it was 1991. The other thing that's, like, very frustrating about that whole situation is if you see his mugshot, he doesn't look anything like Pee Wee Herman at that point, right? You know what I mean? Like, he's bearded, long hair, whatever. And, like, from the reports that I had heard, like, the cops basically just were like, hey, man, knock it off and get out of here. And then one of them was like, yo, I think that's Pee Wee Herman. And then they arrested him. Like, he Mm -hmm. got arrested not for masturbating in a movie, in a porn theater. He got arrested for being Pee Wee Herman masturbating. In yeah, a, in a porn theater, and it's like we needed to set an example for all these terrible child hosts, like the Wiggles. I I always feel bad for Paul Rubens, a because yeah. he seems like a nice dude, and it's yeah taken this well. Uh, you know, there's the infamous MTV Movie Awards <laughs> where it was like the first time he was on TV in like two years, and he shows up as Pee Wee, and his first line is "Heard any good jokes lately?" When like <laughs> he was like the punching bag for the last two years. Yeah, but David, we we have a lot to cover today, so what? are we we've we kind of blew the lead here i mean if they don't know by now we watched the beginning and end of peewee's big adventure and then matt's gonna ask us some questions about what happened in the middle he is but before he asks us questions we are going to recap the ends mm-hmm. and that's what we're here to do so peewee's big adventure it did come out in 1985 and it was tim burton's first full-length film as director and I got to say, it's kind of hard to tell based on the ends. This kind of blew my mind when I figured out that it was Tim Burton. Like that was like in my late teens, early 20s. I always assumed Beetlejuice was his start because it's the one that feels like the prototypical Tim Burton movie. What did you declare the starting point? Because I know that you avoid the, the credits usually, but like the credits are pretty quick in this and i actually think that there's something really funny about the credits which is that the title card Pee Wee's big adventure shows up in the 
tiniest font. Not only like, that, it's, it's like Super Mario font. Yeah. 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 If they just cha- tweak the colors a little bit, it would have been straight Super Mario. And I feel like that's like that sense of humor. I I, lo- I think that that was like part of the joke is that the movie's literally called The Big Adventure. And they're like, what is the tiniest font that you can write the words <laughs> Big Adventure in? Yeah. It's scored by Danny Elfman and stars Rubens as Pee Wee and E.G. Daly as Dottie. E.G. Yeah. maybe most notably as the longtime voice of Tommy Pickles and Rugrats and tons of other cartoon credits. It's rocking an 87 on Rotten Tomatoes, and it does have a massive cult following among, I would say, non-standard folk is the best way I could put it. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't mention that my my friend and old college roommate, Tony J, was a huge peewee guy, and he now lives in Michigan and does drag under the stage name Vaz DeFranzia, which is a play on your pee-pee duct and a boxed wine. So that explains everything you need to know about people that really love Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Nice. (laughs) Fun fact about this movie that's worth even pointing out right now. When you were not watching the credits, you you caught who the co-writer of this movie was. Did you happen to catch that? Hartman? Phil Hartman? Yes. So Phil Hartman and Paul Rubens wrote this movie together. At the time, neither one of them knew anything about writing scripts. So they literally followed a how like almost like a how to write a movie script for (laughs) dummies book when putting this movie together. And because of that, this film is constantly taught in film school because it hits a perfect three-act structure of each act starting at the 30-minute break of the movie, which is like a really, like of all the movies Hmm. to teach film school with, it's like, here, let's pop in a not, like I I suggested this, A, because I I couldn't think of a world where you hadn't seen it. So I was like, this is kind of a throwaway, but if you hadn't (laughs) seen it, like this movie's so, it's like an SNL sketch film. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. like there's no, I'm sure you were baffled from how point A led into point B. into point z when you were done this thing yes and no yeah there's okay. i mean there's some foreshadowing in in the beginning yeah. there but there's definitely I, I feel like quite a bit that we probably missed but we open to a billboard that is showing the eiffel tower and we pan to see that we are at uh what we expect to be the tour de france I can already tell that this isn't the real Tour de France because there aren't thousands of drunken Frenchmen whacking cyclists over the head with political signs. <laughs> I have some issue with the Tour de France and cyclists uh, cycling in general. But have you guys ever watched a stage of the Tour de France? No. Nope. I have better things to do with my life. I can't for the like of me figure out. And if, if you've never seen it, you, you might have seen it in the news and stuff like fans just are standing in the road. And like these cyclists are trying to drive by in like this thing that they have been working for for their whole life. And these drunken dudes who I get it, you probably walked four miles to get there and have nothing better to do than to stand there and wait for these guys to ride by in two minutes and then your day's over. So you're probably (laughs) drunk and just waving around your baguettes. I don't know why a sport like that would just allow that. Like there was a big story and I, I think it was last year's tour or or the one prior. A woman was holding a political sign and she like stuck it out to in order to get it in front of the camera car that it rides in front of the main pack. And she whacked a cyclist over the head with it and caused like a 60 cyclist pile up. And like all these dudes have been trading all year and some of them probably injured. Some of them just like aren't going to be able to to continue the race just because this stupid woman wanted to stick a sign out on the road. Like imagine if that happened in the Super Bowl, like that person would get murdered by every person mm-hmm. in the United States. I just think they should give the cyclists like a stun baton so they can just fucking like <laughs> whack people as they go by. Or ropes. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I mean, ropes. Ropes. I mean, yeah. I get ropes. Like, security guards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're also describing why I wouldn't go to New York for New Year's. You're like, you, yeah. tr- you truck <laughs> yeah. you truck for hours up there for two exactly. minutes of excitement. It's like, yeah, exactly. I watch them on TV and I'm like, where is the fun in this? <laughs> yeah. I at mean, all. You, you assume that most of those people are just like all day tailgating kind of ideas. Yeah. Just oh, like, they're wearing diapers. They're literally wearing adult diapers, yep. pissing themselves because they can't move from their spot. It's crazy. Awful. Anyway, back to the movie here. These professional cyclists are riding away as Pee Wee rides up along them on his incredibly gaudy, just tricked out red bike and just passes them all and ends up winning the Tour de France in this imaginary world, I'm assuming. You mentioned that like you could tell right away it's a dream. And I think it's funny that this part is instantly recognizable as clearly a dream. But his bike chase at the end is just as outlandish. And that's real. <laughs> The reason I knew this was a dream is because there were like five people there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the Tour de France was different in the 80s, but I was going to say, I don't know if the Tour de France was as popular as it is now. Like Lance Armstrong really made it what it is, right? If it was popular enough to be a topic of this movie. Okay. Yeah. And for them to recognize it as a thing, then you would assume it is relatively popular, at least. Let me ask you a follow-up question, though, Dave. If the movie's based around a guy and his bike, what other biking-related giant well, things could he possibly yeah, be performing? This is, at? this is true. I guess. I guess if you're if you're taking into consideration like this man dreams about his bike, like what what options do you have? <laughs> the Dave Mira like, freestyle event. Yeah, BMX that hasn't that's, been see, created that hadn't yet. Existed yet. That's, yeah, that's the remake. The remake. He's at the X Games. He's imagining himself at the X Games. (laughs) Perfect. Well, he wins the race and he is celebrating his victory, getting crowned, I don't know, the King of France or whatever. (laughs) And and then he, an alarm rings and he wakes up from this beautiful dream he was having and starts his morning routine, which is just absolutely bonkers. Essentially, he has a bunch of Rube Goldberg machines that are helping him start his day, but he's also just partying along the way, like playing with toys and and all this shit, brushing his teeth with a a comically large toothbrush. Pee-wee's house is basically every roadside antique shop owned by middle-aged gay men I have stepped foot in. (laughs) Kitsch. It's just kitsch, kitsch, kitsch. But isn't that like what's so great about it? Like it's like even at 36, I watch that scene and I feel the same jealousy that I felt at six <laughs> watching it. Like I'm like, God, this house is awesome. I'm on a fucking like, giant statue of Abraham Lincoln that makes me pancakes. Yeah, that flips pancakes for me. Hell yeah. I want some Mr. T cereal. It's true oh, though. Like you mentioned, you know, being just as jealous now. It, it, I think it's funny, like being a man child is in now, but it definitely wasn't in 1985. I no. I really think that he paved the way in a sense. People actually make careers now being little baby boys like this, playing with cars and playing with their cereal. Are you blaming the whole like millennial situation on Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> I kind of am. I not 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 blaming it. I I'm open to it. I just think that he paved the way is the best way to put it. Like he made it yeah. cool. Yeah, I would say that he was definitely on the uh, bleeding edge of that trend for sure. But yeah, so he, you know, heads downstairs, slides down a fireman pole and, you know, goes from his PJs to his iconic peewee outfit just in one slide down the pole, starts up his breakfast Rue Goldberg machine, (laughs) which starts making all kinds of different things. I should mention, he does say hello to Speck, his dog. And don't worry, the Rube Goldberg machine also feeds Speck, so we don't have to worry about Pee Wee forgetting to feed Speck. 
he gets on a scale and he weighs 98 pounds, which is about a third of my weight, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and he pulls a tab for the Pisces. Uh, looks like he can get a, a horoscope, a daily horoscope here. And it tells him not to leave the house. <laughs> and he kind of just scoffs at it and moves on. He goes out to sit down and eat his breakfast. He has a comically large knife and fork at this point that he's going to eat it with. Oh, my God. I love these giant silverware. I could definitely have these in my life. Did you spot that they were from Ikea? Oh, no, but this will come as no shock to you. I The silver I have is multicolored, chunky plastic spoons and forks from Ikea intended for children. And it, it's all thanks to Pee Wee for making this a part of my life. Is that thanks to Pee Wee or is that just because you have torrible taste? Torrible? I don't know what that means. Tor- but, torrible What are you, taste. Charles Barkley? Um, it's just torrible. Just torrible. <laughs> I enjoy Rube Goldberg machines just as much as the next guy. I really do. Agreed. But it's this one in particular is very wasteful. What happened to the other four ceiling pancakes? You know, I don't even think he ate one pancake. Listen, you're compl- I was going to say you're complaining about pancakes on the ceiling. He literally uses the fork to eat one fork full of cereal and then takes down his napkin and goes upon his day. Yeah. <laughs> like, he so sat wasteful. down for bre- his breakfast and had toast, pancakes, eggs, bacon, a strawberry, because it had to be a little smiley face and it needed a nose. And then he takes an opportunity to pour almost the entire box of Mr. T cereal on top of this plate. It's a mounding plate and he uses fork to eat one forkful, probably five kernels of this cereal. And then bats his mouth like he's done and on with his day. Insane. Who sets this shit up every morning? That's what I want to know. Like, he has to spend his time setting that all up. I like to imagine that Pee Wee's in a Truman Show type scenario where everybody <laughs> is acting in the best interest of Pee Wee's life. So, I like, he goes to bed and a bunch of people come into the house and, like, prep <laughs> yeah. everything for the following morning. Yeah. You can't even do it overnight, though. You can't put that batter in the ceramic cherub overnight. It would be cement by 2 a.m. Someone was sitting waiting for his alarm, and as soon as the alarm ticked, they poured it in and ran out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like uh, one of those situations where Spec comes to life at night and like does all the stuff throughout the house to prep everything and then turns back into a dog first thing in the morning. We have to think of another movie that came out around this exact same time, Back to the Future. Mm. Could be a Doc Brown type situation where it's like, we don't have to ask the questions why. Pee-wee is so good at inventing, he's figured out an eternal pancake Yeah, He's cracked the code (laughs) on this stuff. Or it could just be the reason he doesn't actually eat the pancake is that batter Yeah, he just knows it's trash. (laughs) (laughs) The Mr. T cereal is the one thing he can depend on to be fresh. <laughs> the bacon's been sitting out for three months. These eggs are way bad. Like, I can't touch any of this. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> there is some cool little visual jokes, which is definitely the combination of that. Like, I think that's that perfect mixture of like the Tim Burton, Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens, but like him in the bathroom where he looks out the window and then he turns around and it's revealed that it's not a window at all. It's a fish tank. Yeah. You see all the fish yeah. come by. Like, there's some cool stuff like that that I, that I appreciate in this opening for sure yeah that was that was pretty cool but uh after he's done eating his four pieces of cereal and is full and that's how he stays apparently 98 pounds he leaves the house says hello to his neighbor mr crabtree it sounded like that's what it sounded like to me waters his lawn with one of those sprayer things that just sprays water fucking everywhere yeah like crazy daisy and then heads into the backyard where he starts the elaborate process of entering a code into a hidden keypad to unlock his most prized possession, his bike. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty great bike. Yeah. <laughs> it's solid. And it gets this like this full like model treatment of like when the doors open, like there's light behind it, like a perfume commercial where they're sewing the bottle at the end. 
it's really intense. Yeah. But uh, he takes a, a few minutes to pull the bike out, wax it up, get it nice and fresh, and then starts to head to the front yard where he sees Francis walking down the street. Hell yeah. The worst. <laughs> oh boy. So Francis meets up with Pee Wee at the end of the driveway and he tells Pee Wee that it's his birthday and his dad told him that he can have anything he wants and what he wants is Pee Wee's bike and he's willing to pay for it. <laughs> Pee-wee cracks up to the point of literally rolling on the floor. It is, it is the, the most R-O-F-L or whatever that has ever happened. He is, is rolling on the floor laughing and then gets up and says, you know, I wouldn't sell this for all the money in the world. Then they start their iconic, uh, I know you are, but what am I routine back and forth? And then Pee-wee throws a few really, really harsh disses at Francis, which I really appreciate. And uh, and then rides off with his bike as Francis lets out a menacing, you'll be sorry, Pee-wee Herman. So <laughs> nobody will know what I'm talking about, but my mind was blown during the scene. Francis says, like, listen to reason, Pee-wee. And Pee-wee says, shh. I'm listening to Reason. That is the name <laughs> of one of my favorite songs by the criminally underrated band Gatsby's American Dream. And I never yep. knew it was a Pee Wee quote. I yep. never knew it's it. On Volcano. Yes. Great album. <laughs> but I never knew that. It's a very good I album. I never knew that. See, and I'm the reverse where like I know all of these movie quotes and then I get frustrated that they don't use the audio clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's shh, I'm listening to reason. Yeah. There's a common theme in one of my questions. Mm -hmm. At least one of my questions refers to a common theme where there are a lot of bands in that genre of Gatsby's American Dream yep. where they pull some quotes from this movie and turn them into song titles. We'll get there. Good tease, Matt. You're a pro. <laughs> I try. Such a pro. It's like I'm a pro over here. It's, it's like you do this all day, every day, all the time. <laughs> so uh, Pee Wee is riding his bike around through the park. He sees some kids doing BMX tricks and gives them a try. He just like sitting sideways on his thing and like doing that like classic when you saw someone doing a wheelie when you were a kid on your bike and you're like, I could do that. And just like lift the wheel off the ground for like a half a second and then it drops back down. Just think you're super cool. I always hated show offs doing cool bike tricks like that. Like when you ride with no hands i'm not coordinated enough to ride with no hands i can't do it i'm not a parent and i really don't have much of a goal to ever be a parent but <laughs> when i'm driving and i see kids that are like 12 or 13 and they're doing that like leaning back on the back <sighs> wheel just pedal and i'm like you're gonna fall and die like i'm like so yeah, die. no it's so true though <laughs> i used to run a park program and there was this big hill on the side of the park and there was this kid he was like someone trusted you with children yeah wild i can't mistake even, i still can't even believe it he was like <laughs> nine or ten and so the thing is i'm not like in charge of them they're free to come and go to the park i'm just there like playing games and stuff with them weird okay. job yeah, anyway cool <laughs> that explains a lot. He was riding down the hill on his bike, no hands, and he actually like hit a rock or something and fell, and he literally broke his his wrist was com back completely the other way, and I had mm. to drive him to his parents' house. And it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. 
So wait, you didn't bring him to the hospital. You brought him to his parents. Yeah, that's like, the parents. Yeah. <laughs> He's lucky you even brought him to his parents. I think I think your child is very very injured, but you deal with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is out of my payroll, lady. <laughs> I know the time is extremely important when it comes to serious injuries, but this is your problem now. Pretty much, <laughs> he can come get his bike tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta try that cool down the hill wheelie trick he was doing. Yep. <laughs> Prove to him that. Being an adult is way better. So these kids are doing BMX tricks, and I did notice, I think there is another sign of a little bit of a budget issue on this movie, where, like, one of these kids is clearly very good at BMXing, like, like very good. And the other one just, like, does half a wheelie every once in a while. And I was like, oh, so they couldn't get, like, two kids that were good at BMX. Like, they only got the one, and the other one, like, kind of... Uh, is trying to do it a little bit. But yeah, so as he's trying some of these cool tricks, he's driving down the, the road, tries to put his feet out in front of him or behind him. And then uh, he kind of gets tied up a little bit and then hits a curb and goes like flying off of the bike, <laughs> crashes his bike right in front of a group of kids and then gets up and is like, I meant to do that. And then just gets on his bike and rides away. I legitimately laughed out loud when he tumbled in front of the kids. They just, and they couldn't give a shit too. That was the best part. It, th yeah. That's what I like about this movie is that it wants you to think he's cool, but it also wants you to realize that he's being a completely childish buffoon and it's okay to laugh at him. Well, and I think it plays this weird world where it's like, I've watched this movie a hundred times. And if you asked me if Pee Wee was a child who, for whatever reason, looked like an mm. adult or was an adult acting like a child, I could not answer that question for you, which yep. is obviously the point. Like, it's not like he's Jack, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, this is an adult playing a child. Like, no, it could be either one. <laughs> yeah. So they do call him a boy a couple times. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. If... But I mean, that. you're also talking the 80s. So I don't, I don't know if that's just like adults calling anyone who is younger than them boy. Yeah. Well, because the other thing that you have to factor in is Francis is also supposed to be his same age. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and he looks like he's basically collecting social security. <laughs> I almost think that this is like a wet, hot American summer before wet, hot American summer type thing where the joke is like, we are going to cast people in their 30s and 40s that are playing like yeah. eight year old kids. <laughs> yeah. No one is going to act like that's weird. Yeah. Like we're just going to go gonna pretend it. like this is completely <laughs> like, normal. I think you're right. That's a that's a good reference. And I, I think that's exactly how they're playing it. Nailed it. But yeah, so he, he drives downtown on his bike and arrives in, you know, what looks like a, an area where there's a bunch of shops, like a shopping mall or something like that. He chains up his bike to an animatronic clown with literally 9000 feet of chain. It's like it's just everywhere with like a comically large lock. But he locks it up to this clown and heads into Mario's magic shop. He chats with Mario for a second and uh, looks for some random shit uh, that he says he has to replenish his stock or something like that. A woman is kind of behind him looking over at him longingly every so often or, or something a little weird. I don't know that it's longingly. She's annoyed by him. Well, I don't yeah. know if she's annoyed by him mm. or if she's like she's watching him for a reason. Like she is in there keeping an eye on him. I think I know kind mm. of sort of what's happening in this situation. But yeah, and then that's uh, that's about where our 15 minutes ended. I'm going to go ahead and just break a little bit of a rule here. Don't factor in that lady. Okay. <laughs> she's she's a set piece for a x-ray glasses joke. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I, yeah, there was an x-ray glasses joke. I saw that where he looks at her and he's like, oh. Um, yeah, and, that's, yeah. that's her entire purpose. She is gone from the movie cool. from that point. All right. <laughs> I realized here in the scene, because he's doing a lot of his nervous giggling here, 
in the magic uh-huh. shop. Yeah, that was good. I realize here that it is, or it feels like it's a nervous tick type thing, probably derived from like anxiety. Hmm. And, it, and it makes me see him in a different light. Yeah, his laugh could be like Mitch Hedberg's like glasses yeah. and, and long yeah. hair. Like <laughs> it ended up being a feature and not a bug, right. but its original intention was like, I can't look at an audience. Yeah, I have I too need, much anxiety I need yeah. to fill the space. <laughs> <with something. laughs> yeah. I have to ask a question about this as I've been working my way through your, your back catalog in preparation for being on here. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that there are some movies where you cannot wait for that 15 minute mark to hit because you're just like, I need to shut this shit <laughs> as quickly as possible. But then I feel like there's got to be other times where you're almost kind of like, God damn it, I wish I wasn't watching this for the show. Yeah. I want to keep going. At this 15-minute mark, Where where's both of your minds at that point when you have to hit stop? I'm definitely in the latter. I, I wanted to see more. I was okay. bummed that it ended where it did. You know, when Michael and I had watched the the beginning uh, or and, and watched our ends, we were talking about like how we liked it. We both like were kind of on the fence on whether we hated it or loved it. Like it's one of those movies <laughs> after watching the, um, the first 15, I think I, I'm in the same. They're looking for some kind of weird plot to assign in the movie but really it's just so you can like experience peewee yeah this is actually i'm I'm glad you mentioned that dave that it's it's really just peewee i gotta say like after the first time through the ends of this movie it reminded me of something and i couldn't place it after the second time through i figured it out and many regular listeners of the pod will know that lost no yeah it's exactly like lost the whole plot of lost was based on peewee's big adventure (laughs) (laughs) no it's funny you make that joke because the entire plot of Pee-wee's Big Adventure is based on a 1940s French film called The Bicycle Thieves. Mm. Oh, and if you ever watch this heralded as one of the 100 greatest films ever made, I watched it after seeing Pee-wee's Big Adventure, obviously, because I wasn't watching The Bicycle Thieves when I was three. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like when you watch The Graduate after seeing all of the parodies of The Graduate, where you can't stop laughing because you're like, oh my God, like <laughs> they nailed it. Yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure nails <laughs> beat for beat this like iconic iconic French film <laughs> in every way. It's it's weird. That's so amazing. It's weirdly this middle ground of high art mm. that connects the bicycle thieves to Pee-wee's Big Adventure, as you've properly guessed, to Lost. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, so my favorite movie of all time, unironically, is Freddy Got Fingered. And yes. this might sound crazy, but I honestly think these movies share a ton of DNA, man. No, it's a good double feature, honestly. No, but like <laughs> Freddy is just he's a vile version of this obviously but both of them both of the movies just star and fully revolve around a ridiculous character the movie was made for essentially yeah like the character came first not the movie which is rare usually the yeah. the story or the movie comes first and then you know the character becomes iconic tom green obviously is playing a character in the movie but it but it, the movie is it's tom, tom green, green. right <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and both of them are just so they're so childlike but the movie also pokes fun of them for being childlike and yeah the movie like the films both glorify them in some ways but there's also moments where it's clear like the audience is supposed to be in on the joke and think that they're being ridiculous like when Wee flips over his bike candles trying to look cool and the neighborhood kid thinks he's an idiot and obviously every scene in in freddy good fingered but both of them also have other characters in the movie who are the ones making sense in any sane world 
yet they're the bad guys. Like Francis yeah. is right. You wouldn't take a billion dollars for this stupid bike. Get a life. Like that yeah. makes no sense. Any like person take, would take a hundred grand and recreate this bike right. exactly the yeah. way it is if you need to, exactly. and then you have the rest for yeah. Exactly. And and with Tom Green, his dad yells at him for dressing in scuba gear and playing with soap on a rope and we can live like kings. But he's right. Like, what the hell are you even doing? Yet we still root for the baby boys and getting mad at the people making sense for some reason. Mm -hmm. So I I've had this weird theory for a couple years and I haven't been able to fully articulate it, but I'll give it a shot here. Now's your chance. Yeah. So one of the movies that I absolutely love and adore it was something that I, my dad showed me when I was a teenager, and it stuck with me forever as a movie like Caddyshack, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking love Caddyshack. And it's made me realize that I love these slobs versus snobs movies, and I feel like <laughs> Freddy Got Fingered completely falls into yep. that. But I also think that, like, <laughs> Cad- there is a direct line between my parents loving a movie like Caddyshack and also voting for Donald Trump. <laughs> Where like, <laughs> like, like where it depicts Rodney Dangerfield as this like sloppy, belligerent asshole billionaire taking down the stuffy rich people in power, and you're just like, hell yeah, I want to be like Rodney he, Dangerfield. Yeah, and he's, like, he's so lovable. Yeah. yeah, like you can't yeah, not like, like it. Yeah. God damn it! Like so now it makes me like <laughs> angry when I'm watching. Caddyshack. That's the theory that no one no one discovered through Trump's whole presidency is the reason he got elected is because of Caddyshack. Check. Yeah, because of the line, like, did someone sit on a duck? And they're like, that guy's the guy I want to vote for. <laughs> it's a good theory. It's a good theory. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Not a bad theory. All right. Let's talk about the ending of this. Let's get into the, the last 15 minutes here begins at one hour, 13 minutes and five seconds. And we start out with Pee Wee on his bike being chased through the Warner Brothers studio lot. Now, it's not explicit, but I'm assuming the bike was stolen and he has now retrieved it, much to the dismay of these nameless men. Seems like that's what's happened here. I can give you that much information, yes. Cool. (laughs) And this entire chase scene is backed by Elfman's zany Simpson-esque score as Pee-wee puts these golf cart driving dudes through a cartoonish ringer. Rocks tumble in front of them as they drive through a greenhouse. He sets up the Roadrunner fake wall gag, which takes one out. Convenient that the wall was just sitting there, but... He goes through a few different movie sets next, mid-movie making, like while they're actually recording stuff. So the first one is a beach blanket bingo type deal where one of the golf cart dudes crashes and then leaves his golf cart and moves on to chasing Pee Wee in the prop boat that was on the set. Next, we go through the North Pole and Santa and Slay get hooked onto the boat and are now in tow. And then the last set is filming a Godzilla-type movie, and after driving through and causing a ruckus, the Godzilla paper-mâché creature thing gets stuck on the boat, slay conga line thing that's forming. It's like a mobile version of the I'm-going-on-a-picnic game, the one that you always get stuck playing as a kid. Have you guys played that? I'm going on a picnic? No? I know what you're referring to. I have no recollection of playing it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, it's just you. So you start out like completely benign, like I'm going on a picnic and I'm bringing apples, bananas and cookies. And then it immediately gets filthy every time you hit D. You're you're always bringing dick. Dick is always the fourth thing that you bring. (laughs) Yeah, you go in a circle with different people. Oh, everyone adds something. Yeah, Yeah. I got you. So that's what's happening here. And. The chase rolls on past D. Snyder. And all of Twisted Sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, performing one of the best songs off their album, Stay Hungry, Burn in Hell. Uh-huh. It's a fucking jam. Yeah. 
just <laughs> randomly, just randomly filming a Twisted Sister music video on the hood of a car, Tawny Katayan style, but two years earlier than the actual video. And it's never discussed or explained or anything. No. They just drive on past. And I think this is another good example of like the transition between really raunchy peewee on stage in life performances and like children's show peewee in, in the early 90s where it's like you have a song burn in hell with there's no way in hell essentially that this song would be on a child's tv show but like it was in this movie even though this movie kind of was like somehow straddling the line between like adults and children uh so it's interesting but yeah it was a it was a great scene i loved it and it's funny to think about like this is peak twist sister this is on the album with like i want to rock and yeah. we're not going to take it they actively went with the song called burn in hell yeah. like of all the songs that they looked at on the track list they were like that's the one yep. baby oh yeah do that one <laughs> yeah 100 so random but i like it and Wee then squirts some jism out of the back of his swiss army bike and everybody <laughs> behind him crashes uh he's nearly yeah. free but before he's free, he Tarzan swings on a vine for good measure and turns on his rocket jets, pops a wheelie and soars through the sky in what I imagine is an homage to either the E.T. bike kid, Evil Knievel or both. 100% the E.T. scene, I think. I think we'll, we'll talk more about it in the re, uh, after the recaps when we get to center counts. I think I like the ends overall, but this chase scene is like, how can we fit every hackneyed Hollywood cliche into a five minute bit? big meh i'm not a fan of this chase scene i'm just not a fan oh really i see i i think that it's also like a chicken versus the egg type situation where it's like this movie is so iconic and important that maybe over the last 30 years you've seen people do maybe. their versions of this because because like i i've had that problem sometimes where like i'll have people watch one of my all-time favorite movies is harold and maude mm -hmm. you know it's from 1974 and people will watch it and be like oh this is another manic pixie dream girl movie and i'm like no 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 no. first of all it's a manic pixie dream woman because she's damn near 80. <laughs> But B, like, this is what Garden State and Eternal Sunshine, like, this is what those filmmakers watched when they were like, I want to make a movie with a character is like, you know, charming as as Maud from Harold and Maud. I think that this was done before. I mean, literally, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back redo this scene almost shot for shot at the end of the movie. That's a fair point. I would love for a scenario. I'm not sure how often you guys do this, but if Michael was to sit down and actually watch the movie from front to back post recording the episode if he would feel differently about the chase scene in like the wider context of everything and be like, oh, you know what? Now I think it's brilliant and I will eat my hat. <laughs> And, yeah. and then literally set up a camera and film yourself eating it. <laughs> I mean, I've been so, wanting to see that. So first and foremost, life. I do think that you have not listened to enough episodes to know that that yeah. will never happen. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but what, also, that Michael will admit that he's wrong or yeah. that he'll uh, watch a movie. Again? No, the admitting he's wrong part. <laughs> impossible. But I do feel like, uh, we, you know, we've, we've talked about eventually doing a Patreon or something like that and having, you know, some of our reviews of the middle of stuff that we've covered. I'd subscribe to that. I'd want to know. I'd want to know what you think about the middle of human centipede. Oh, yeah. That's top, top of the list. Absolutely top of the list. So Pee Wee now escaping from the people chasing him. He lands on a roof. He does a little tail slide and finally gets the approval of the neighborhood kids because he does this cool trick. Because he jumped over a house. <laughs> awesome. That's great symmetry, though. I didn't even think about that. That in the first 15 minutes, you establish that. And then in the last yeah. 15 minutes, you get Those the payoff. think he's a loser. <laughs> and then in the last 15 minutes, he's finally cool. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So he turns the corner, finally free from his would-be captors. And 
I guess we're to believe it's coincidental, but there's a random pet store on fire. Pee-wee, a man, no, sorry, a boy of action, jumps to the rescue. Now, I don't know where the fuck the rest of this ghost town is or where the damn owner of this pet store is, but it's just Mr. Herman himself and the animals. He makes five separate trips, pulling furry friends out, and the gag is that every time he passes the snakes, he makes an ugly face because snakes like evil demon noodles i get it but every time snakes he saves dogs birds ducks mice gerbils a chimp and even scoops some fish he makes one last trip inside realizes it's basically only the snakes left and then it cuts to the funniest image from the the entire movie (laughs) he's just got two fistfuls of like 18 snakes he screams and faints, and I, I laughed out loud. It, it was, was very. That is good. one of oh. my favorite shots in any <laughs> it's movie. It's so good. So good. It was very good. <laughs> and honestly, like if I was to film a scene like that, it, it wouldn't be acting because I hate snakes. I can't stand them. A little like foot long snake comes across us in a trail when me and my wife are out walking, and like I won't, I won't continue on our walk. Like get that thing away from me. I hate them so much. I'm like Indiana Jones in that way. That scene is a prime example to me of like the benefit of having someone who's spent like a decade doing improv comedy Mm -hmm. starring and writing the movie because it's like that shot would always be funny no matter what it's a brilliantly shot scene the beats of him looking at the snake tank over and over and over again built up to it so perfectly yeah well because you get the vibe that he's basically just like maybe if i save everything else these will die and i won't have to come back <laughs> yeah. for them. maybe like, something will have, maybe the chimp that i've employed to help me with this will take care of the snakes. <laughs> stuff like this definitely makes this movie transcend some of the other schlocky stuff that i that i don't care for in it absolutely love that scene So the police and firefighters arrive just as he had fainted and sent the snake squirming over the sidewalk. The fireman says he's a hero, but the cop says he's under arrest. Oh, no. Uh Cut to Pee Wee in the police station, and we see black and white footage of his movie set destruction. But instead of pressing charges, Warner Brothers wants to turn his story into a movie. If only the real life cops had offered that to Rubens, like picture it. (laughs) It's a movie about going to the movies and going in the movies. It's meta. The kids are into that. Yeah. Yeah, The judge just deciding like your, your penance is filming a porn where like where you're sitting in the theater and jerking it. Yep. If only I'd watch it. (laughs) I'm enough of a fan. Sign me up. Yeah. If only rewrite history there, but. (laughs) He also gets his bike back and Dottie tries to kiss him, but Pee Wee is not interested in that sort of thing. He's a real boy. Speaking of meta things, we're at the world premiere of Pee Wee's Big Adventure at a drive-in theater. A, come on, world premiere at a drive-in theater, as if. But B, drive-in theaters are amazing. The death of drive-in theaters was the death of community in the quote-unquote good old days. Few things bring you together more than cramming into a station wagon with six of your sweaty friends to watch Titanic, like munching on milk duds and swatting away mosquitoes because only rich people had air conditioning in the 90s. If you can find a drive-in theater... They are a blast. Like they, the, and the more people you can bring, like you said, load up a station wagon, bunch of friends with some coolers and some snacks. Like you will have a good time. The only experience I have at a drive-in, I was in college, and I went to a drive-in with a few of my friends, and we saw. Are you ready for this? 
Paul Ready? Blart Mall Cop. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great experience, even though I had just watched Paul Blart Mall Cop. So that says a lot about... Or because about, you watched Paul yeah, Blart yeah. Mall Cop, depending. Yeah, yeah depending on, on your, you know, your feelings. So Pee-wee's walking the grounds handing out refreshments to various people that I surmise we've encountered these people in the middle. So there's some kids on dirt bikes and stormtrooper gear. There's the Warner Brothers guy who calls him Babe, which obviously we saw, and some hobos. Now he stops to catch the opening of the film here. It's a parody of James Bond type of film of sorts with James Brolin playing Pee-wee. Bike is now a motorbike. And he, in the movie version of Dottie, are stopped and attacked by the crappy ninjas from Miami Connection. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we cut back to the drive-in. PW gives a foot-long sub to a dude named Mickey hanging out of a prison bus? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) What the heck? And the sub has a metal file in it, but it is sniffed out by the guard. (laughs) Nice try, Pee-wee. Nice try. Back to the movie within the movie. This part is great. It's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> so the actual Pee-wee is playing a hotel receptionist with a bellhop hat. Brolin comes up and asks if there's any messages. When he says that he's Herman, P.W. Herman, Pee-wee mouths his name too, <laughs> and, which is great. And, so and then when he, when he talks, they've like horribly dubbed his voice. Beijing Mr. Herman, Mr. Herman, please come to the front desk. It was so insane and unexpected and just hilarious. The other thing that you're missing in there is beyond the fact that he's he's mouthing the script is like the amount of times that he's staring straight, straight down the camera, the camera lens yeah. or like looking around confused. Yeah, it's so good because it does make sense with like a movie asking someone to use their life as like a movie and then demanding that they be in it it's amazing it's so good he plays a perfect bad actor like you said he's just like stealing glances at the camera and, and then <laughs> later on he keeps he keeps moving so he's in the shot when Brooklyn and the bomb are talking <laughs> so good it is top notch it is aside from the snakes this is probably the best scene and there's even a callback to the i know you are but what am i Brolin says that to the bombshell there so good Now, interspersed during the movie, while it's going on, we also see Pee-wee give French fries to a French couple in a car, and his, merci vous, it's fantastic. It's (laughs) fantastic. And he throws some snacks in the air for a biker gang. Again, I'm Mm -hmm. sure they were probably in the middle somewhere. Finally, Pee-wee finds Dottie, and that fat, punchable face Francis shows up. He's being interviewed by Phil Hartman as we know, one of the co-writers, R.I.P. And he's saying that he's Pee-wee's blood brother and that he taught him how to ride the bike, etc. This guy is a grade A lunch lady looking douche. <laughs> and he forces his way into sitting on the bike seat. He pushes a button and it sends him hurling a good 60 to 70 yards in the air up and away above the movie screen. It's cartoonish, but uh, the movie's earned it at this point. Whatever. Like, I mean, he jumped over a house on his bike with some like <laughs> weird jets yeah. that came Rocket out the back. Yeah, Rocket <laughs> powered. I won't hold it against it, I guess. <laughs> Dottie has two puppies from the pet store in the basket on her bike. Why? Just because. Like That's basically the motto of this movie. The entire yeah. film. Why not? Why not? We'll throw it in. Brolin on the big screen drops the I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel. And then actual Pee-wee asks Dottie to leave with him. She asks how he can leave during the movie. And he responds, I don't have to see it, Dottie. 
I lived it. Great closing line. Incredible closing <laughs> line. And their silhouettes ride by the movie screen into the night. And then Elfman's bombastic orchestral madcap blares as the credits come up. Finn. Beautiful. Very, very, very interesting. Great ending. Now, Matt, you have crafted some questions for us. But before we get to that, it is time for a center commercial. <laughs> If you have a business, you need a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pair Networks. Pair has over 20 years of experience managing the entire digital ecosystem for thousands of online businesses all around the world. Want to create a fan site for our podcast where you share candid photos of us in the nude? Go for it. Pair makes it easy for you with do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page design. And they have guaranteed U.S.-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right now, when you sign up with Pair Networks, you'll receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website for free. Visit pair.com slash free to get your first month of website hosting for free by using the code QUICKSTART. No spaces. That's pair.com slash free. Promo code QUICKSTART to get started today. Pair. Website hosting made easy. And please don't create a fan site for our podcast where you share candid photos of us in the nude. Please. Well, Michael, now that there's a website completely devoted to us being in the nude, what do other people need to know about this? About this? Like, like this. <laughs> like this thing that we're doing right this moment. Not the website that we are pretending was made by a fan that was in fact made by us to drive people to this. Ah, yes. Well, they should send their feedback to thecentercutcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and I guess if they are feeling inclined, they could hit us up on all of the different socials. Instagram, as always, being our favorite, at the underscore center underscore cut. Yes, please. And if you haven't, head over to Spotify and rate the pod. It definitely helps. Spotify is getting really big into the podcast game. So hook us up, brothers. Thank you. Yeah, we love you. Bye. Well, Matt. Are you ready to quiz us? I know that I'm ready to win. All right. Mm. Well, I realize that there's a problem with the first question. I'm going to still go no. through with it, but I forgot that this line comes up a couple times in the movie. That doesn't matter. Dave Dave might not know, and I do, so I'm, I'll take the point. <laughs> question number one. The Get Up Kids got a song title from an iconic line in this movie. Do you know what that line is? I will preface this question with the fact that this may be a, a sin, and I'm sorry for the two of you, especially one of you who is on a podcast literally about music. I had never heard of the Get Up Kids. Oh, disc, disc. Well, it kind of started emo, but that's fine. <laughs> so I looked up the Get Up Kids, and in looking wow, up at cheater. the top of their list was this song. So I know the answer. So I will not take a point on this, even though I do know that it is. I am a loner, Dottie, a rebel. 100%. Lock it in. I own this album. Yep. Something to write home about. It's late 90s emo classic. I would say top 10, top 15 albums of all time. It's a from front to back, perfect album. I just want to say, though, most importantly, it this song pales in comparison to the best song in the album, which is 10 Minutes. Fight me. Yes. No, I'll, I'll go with you on that. 10 minutes. It took me a while to get into 10 minutes, but the last like four or five years, 10 minutes has really been like making its way yep. up my rankings. All right. Question number two. Pee-wee has a few nightmares in this movie. That's where you're going to get more of the Tim Burton-y type stuff. Mm. But in one of those nightmares, there's a bunch of doctors and nurses who are made up to look like what? 
This was one of the hardest questions for me, actually. Now, I almost went with something bike-related, like they were bike horns or something. But that's absolutely ridiculous. The reason I thought that is like his waking fear of you know having his bike stolen would be entering into his sleep in that lumpy little cunt Francis stealing it. Yeah. If this question was who instead of what, I would definitely go with Francis. Hmm. I'm going to say that they're they're dressed up or they're made up to look like thieves. Like they have the prototypical ski mask and dark clothes and filthy looking hands or or like they they look like the hamburglar, I guess, just a striped shirt and a bandana over their eyes and Pee-wee's bike on their tie. Can we talk about why the hamburglar puts the damn thing he wants to steal on his tie? Like, bro, cover your full face and calm the hell down. Quit simping over ground beef and lose the damn 1920s vaudeville hat. Sheesh. Yeah, that's honestly like if a if like a thief went into like a jewelry store and just had a necklace with like twenty rings on it. It's like, okay, get out of here, bud. <laughs> Listen, Michael, I don't think anyone wants to hear your grobble grobble grobbles about the hamburger. <laughs> Fine, but my answer is thieves. So I think this is a actually a reference to a previous question and also how I think Francis actually stole Pee Wee's bike, and it is clowns. The answer is clowns. Damn it. The nightmare sequence is a pretty cool. It's probably one of the more visually interesting sequences. Pee-wee's having a nightmare in which he finds shattered parts of his bike scattered around and a group of clowns dressed as doctors and nurses come and piece it back together in surgery just in time for a giant metal crane to take it to hell where Francis plays the devil <laughs> and starts yelling as it gets set on fire again. That's really great. You were, When you said that you thought it could have been Francis, I was like, man, he's real close on what this is about, though. It's pulling the psyche of the, the theft. I thought the animatronic clown was Francis. <laughs> it didn't look like him at first, but then it like cuts back to him, uh, like to the clown that's tied to the to the bike, and then you actually realize it's Francis in a clown outfit that was just like doing the robot in the in like <laughs> in the middle no. of the street. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, regardless of if that's right or wrong, it still led me to the right answer. So, all right. So, next question: to show off Francis's massive wealth, what is unique about where he takes a bath? So I think he takes a bath in one of those hot tubs that's in the back of a limousine. Okay. So the first thing I thought of when hearing this question was like, what container he takes the bath in? But unless I'm mistaken, I think you mean like, where is that container? Like, what what's unique about where he's taking the bath? Not I'm not going to qualify that with either way. Well, Francis wears these silly full body suits that remind me something a race car pit crew member would wear. I mean, if I could just have full body suits with my initials on them, that's like just would be my whole wardrobe. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. He, and I definitely think he's naked underneath them. Absolutely. Going commando 100%. Yeah, I, th- I think my guess is his family has a, like a pit crew of sorts that washes Francis like he's a NASCAR stock car. <laughs> station to station. Like one dude suds him up, another one hoses him down, etc. So no points for either. Uh, he takes a bath in a giant in-ground pool shaped like a bathtub. <sighs> uh, still in his swim trunks with... He's got like giant battleship toys that he's playing with in there. Again, in a weird, uh, in a weird element of symmetry, he's playing Godzilla in the uh, tub. Like he's coming out of the oh, tub and like smashing up the. Yeah. I'm telling you, this movie's got way too many. <laughs> the way that like the front and end just collide upon itself yeah. is insane. Yeah, one to one. 
All right, this is the hardest question on the entire mm. list, and I'll give you a little bit of a hint, at least in what I'm looking for with this answer. Okay. So during Pee-wee's extensive three-hour conspiracy rant about his bike, how many exhibits does he cover and, before being interrupted? And I'll at least say this much. He starts with exhibits A and B. So I'm looking for an alphabetical letter here. Oh, okay. So my original answer of 57 is not going to be accurate. <laughs> yeah, my initial yeah, guess was fun. 791. So, <laughs> so I almost said 69 just because of the like the transition between <laughs> the the adult and the child. <laughs> but uh, hmm. okay, so it's an alphabetical letter. I think then to stay on that note, Dave, where the transition from child to adult, I think it's going to be the letter X. Going to be you letter goddamn X. bastard. X rated. Uh, see, the the only reason I was waffling over X is because that is really long for someone to wait before they finally interrupt someone <laughs> to stop them from giving all these exhibits. It's like you only have two more. Just listen to yeah, the last two. Yeah, it's just like just let it finish. Unless like like you get to Z and then he's like double A, A. exhibit yeah. AA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess my answer is P because of of peewee that's the only thing i can think of all right well if we're gonna play with the closeness game dave won ironic that it's during a conspiracy rant because he stops at exhibit q ah Uh, too oh man (laughs) i mean you're you're the quizzer so if you're the one doling out the points does he get a full point a half a point or no points no i mean i'm looking for a letter q he had one in a 26 chance of getting this and i already told him it wasn't a all right so zero points (laughs) one to one zero points points all right fine all right jeez where does Pee-wee's not love interest Dottie work? So we see her with two of the pet store puppies in her bike basket at the drive-in. And the easiest way to piece that together is if she works there, too. Now, I don't think she played a hand in the arson, for the record. Although, <laughs> we don't... Maybe the movie doesn't show her doing it. So I guess she could have started the fire. So she gets two of the puppies. <laughs> That's like a Pee-wee big adventure conspiracy theories that like Dottie was the, the real arson of the, the fire. Yeah, maybe the... she started the fire so she could get the free puppies. I'm open to that possibility <laughs> is all I'm saying. Free puppies. <laughs> Honestly, I was also going to say pet store because <laughs> the, way, the way I see it is that the way he is surprised to see her at the end, I thought that either she worked at Warner Brothers or she worked at the pet store and, and took possession. Oh. Yes, and she's dead in a ghost. <laughs> no, she um that she took possession of his bike when they arrested him and then delivered it here at the end. And that's mm. that would explain why she is the one who delivered the bike. And that made the most sense to me. And like you said, the fact that she had the dogs at the end and stuff, pet store felt like an obvious answer. But I feel like we're both wrong. She works at Chuck's Bike Shop, ah, classic. Uh, where Pee-wee goes to buy things to build up his awesome bike. Damn it! <laughs> so all of those, all of those accoutrements are sold at this bike shop, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. a serious bike shop. All right. So, based on information that's provided to him by a fortune teller, most of this movie is Pee-wee on a road trip, believing he will find his bicycle where. So I think based on a future question that you asked us, the answer to this is the Alamo. She sees the Alamo and originally he goes to the actual Alamo in Texas, but then realizes at some point or another that it was a movie set, not the actual one, and then travels to L.A. Okay, I like some of your answer. My answer is Disney World. Now, hear me out. Geographically, if I'm to surmise that Pee Wee lives somewhere in California, because I think that he's right near the Warner Brothers studio. Then one of your later questions mentions that he goes to Texas. So if you're heading out that way, southeast from the West Coast, 
The only thing on the southern part of the country past Texas worth going to <laughs> is Disney World. <laughs> so if you, if you live in California and you are on a straight line from California through Texas, the only thing worth going to in the entire United States <laughs> and anywhere on that line is Disney World. After Texas, yeah. What else do you got in the southeast of the United States worth going to? New Orleans? No. Come on. They're underwater. So... <laughs> You're underwater. Yeah. Cool. Cool Katrina joke. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> so maybe he thinks that whoever stole the bike sold it to Disney World as a ride you can go on Ooh. because it is a, like an interesting cool bike. Now, my wife is making me go to Disney World with Frank, my son, this summer. And I already want to drown in the swamp. That's too early to bring Frank to Disney World. That's what I said. Like, why are we going to waste the money and go to Disney World? <laughs> I'm, with so- a one I'm and a half sorry, Ashley. I love to side with you as much as humanly possible. Come on. He's too. But he's not going to remember early. any of it. He's not going to remember any of it. I mean, I'm of the opinion of only go to Disney World, not with a child so that they can't slow you down. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like yeah. either bring a child old enough where you don't have to, like, actively be watching them all the time or go without a child. Yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I can already picture myself sweating in line and having to yell at chocolate fingered kids. And when I yeah. say chocolate fingers, I mean, like, they have melted Hershey's on them, not like the color of their skin. I don't. It's pretty sad that I have to confirm that. But cool. Katrina joke and a, and a skin color joke. Nice. People yeah, are just well, out here trying to assassinate everybody's character whenever they get a chance. Told you we were going to have to edit out Michael's jokes, Matt. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Oh, well, so anyway, David, congratulations on your points for, I mean, what? the exact specific answer is in the basement of the Alamo. But I mean, the fact that wow. you just pulled the Alamo out is just so like, close that I'll take it. I also appreciate that you're both giving the fortune teller credit that she could actually see something. No, she literally looked across the street from her little area and saw a a pie a la mode sign <laughs> and was like the alamo wow, that's, that's really great all right well two, <laughs> two to one dave all right so during his road trip which of these does peewee not receive a ride from a ghost an escaped convict a rodeo clown or an ambulance all right so as usual with multiple choice i have to narrow it down to a 50 50 now the escaped convict that's an easy cross off since we see him in the end with the five dollar foot long and then I think Rodeo Clown is right down the middle, like just too easy of an answer. So I'm going to cut that one out. That leaves Ghost and Ambulance, which are related, but polar opposites. Like it boils down to this. Did Pee Wee get hurt or did somebody else get hurt and then die and become a ghost? And I don't think that he looked any worse for the wear in the end. So I think I'm going to go with Ambulance as the one that he did not get a ride from. Because he did get a ride from a ghost, an escaped convict, and a rodeo clown. Yeah, so I'm not going to give as long an explanation. I think that it's a rodeo clown because we've already mentioned clowns multiple times. And I feel like that would be too much clowning in the movie if it was also a rodeo clown. Dave has got a point. It is. Rodeo Clown was the, yes, uh, one of the more infamous moments in this movie is Pee-wee is getting a ride from an old trucker named Large Marge, (laughs) who tells a terrible story about how 20 years ago on that very night, there was a terrible car crash. And when they pulled the charred body out of the wreck, it looked like this. And she turns her face, she turns her head around and it's like this crazy claymation, like explosion of eyes and teeth (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) The most Tim Burton part of the whole movie very yeah, much so yeah. she drops him she drops him off at a bar 
And he, she says, when you get in there, let him know Large Marge brought you. And he walks in and says, Large Marge brought me. And everyone stops and gasps. And they say, Large Marge died 20 years ago this very <laughs> night. And it pans to a picture of the woman that just dropped him off with like a bunch of like memorial candles <laughs> around the post. Oh, man. I wow. can't wait to watch the middle of this movie. <laughs> All right. So question number eight. What iconic 80s actress, and I'll even throw this bonus one in there. She was also part of the Groundlings. Makes a cameo in the film, but not dressed as her most well-known character. My answer, one of the only iconic 80s actresses I could think of was Molly Ringwald. (laughs) So there's my answer. So I think it's the Star Wars lady. Princess Leia, Car- Carrie Fisher, oh, right? Oh, Carrie Fisher, yeah. I tried to rack my brain. Like, R. there R. are P. plenty of popular 80s actresses of the Molly Ringwald ilk, like you said, Dave, but Molly Ringwald has, has multiple characters. That's so. why. So, what really threw me off of this question was the parentheses you put on there that, that was, though, not as her yeah. well known character. Right. Like, I was trying to think, yeah. like, which one of these 80s actresses was only known as, like, one thing. Right. So, that that's yeah. why I went with Carrie because she's most well known as Leia. So, that's my pick. And I don't know what. What she would be in this movie maybe just some random hooker he sees on the side of the road or something god so princess leia <laughs> well no points no points Damn to it. either yeah it was cassandra peterson also known as elvira the mistress of the dark uh. matt i thought you said well known <laughs> some people find her very well known <laughs> elvira is pretty well known peewee is at a biker bar accidentally knocks over all of their bikes which causes them to want to murder Pee-wee. Classic wild hog. <laughs> and then Cassandra Peterson comes out as they're trying to figure out the different ways to, to handle Pee-wee. And there's the famous mm. line, I say we kill him. I say we cut him. And then we kill him. P- and then Cassandra Peterson walks up and goes, I think you should let me have him first. Mm. Real seductive and angry before Pee-wee, in a attempt to throw his voice, goes, I think you should let him go. <laughs> <laughs> So classic scene. And then this is one where I feel like possibly this scene is so famous. You should know this one. But question number nine, Pee Wee infamously dances to what song in the biker bar? Yeah, you mentioned it. And I want to preface this answer if I'm right. Like I I 100% did not cheat. And I don't know if it's subconscious or something that I pulled this out of the recess of my mind from seeing a clip 25 years ago or just the universe shooting the answer into my loins. Or I could just be flat out wrong. But as soon as I saw this question with full conviction, my brain shouted tequila. And I feel like it's right, but I don't even have an image in my mind of him dancing or anything. Maybe it's just like I answered this question at bar trivia five years ago, or or like I saw the answer, or maybe it was on Jeopardy. I swear on my life, though, I have not seen the middle of this movie or the clip of this, but tequila. Jeopardy very infamously has Pee Wee Herman related questions on it. So I think that that's probably what it was. Tequila by the champs. And I don't, you guys haven't covered this on One Hit Thunder yet, have you? No, we, one day we will. Tequila by the champs. That is a very good answer. And I am with you in the sense that I can, and again, I will preface the same as Michael as I've never seen the middle of this movie, but I, for whatever reason, can see his dance. It, it in my mind, reminds me of the Carlton from Fresh Prince. <laughs> and I could see him dancing, and I can kind of sort of remember the first few notes, and I could not for the life of me, piece it together. And as soon as you said tequila, I knew you were right. This is the scene of the movie. Like when people think of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, they think of him doing his dance where he's basically just pointing his fingers back and forth in front of him. 
If you were like me and obsessively watched VH1, I Love the 80s, I guarantee if they talked about Pee-wee's Big Adventure, at least five minutes was just dedicated to him dancing to the song Tequila. (laughs) So this will finally give me where I can tell you about the ambulance ride. He wows these bikers with his incredible dancing (laughs) skills to the song Tequila, and they make him an honorary member of the biker gang, hence him throwing all the candy to the biker gang at the movie Mm -hmm, theater mm -hmm. screening, and they just throw a jacket on him and put him on a motorcycle and he just drives <laughs> straight into a billboard and is knocked unconscious. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is really it's, great. It's another one of those like right up there with the snakes thing where you're watching, you're like, I don't think he knows how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure enough. I appreciate the number of references to the fact that he is not very good at riding bikes <laughs> like, in a movie yeah. about him like obsessing over his bike. I will say, so that answer, that was not what I was going to answer, but as soon as you said it, it sparked my brain. So I'm willing to say that I did not get points for that that question. Okay. So if you get this one right and I get it wrong, we will tie. Okay. Okay. Very gentleman of you, Dave. How does Pee-wee convince Dottie that he is in Texas? So part of me wants to think that this is a ridiculous, impossible thing because like, the rest of the movie had some things interspersed that were like just impossible. Him, you know, flying a bike over a house with rocket jets and stuff like that. But there's also a part of me that just like wants it to be like a normal thing. So I ultimately think that he is on the phone with Dottie and he somehow in one way or another met Willie Nelson and just put Willie Nelson on the phone. And I was like, here's Willie Nelson. Now you know I'm in Texas. And that was it. Okay. Infamously never leaves Texas Willie Nelson. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, like if someone called you and was like, I am in Texas and here's my proof and hands the phone to Willie fucking Nelson. I mean, even if Willie Nelson was like, I'm not currently in Texas, but I'm confident Pee Wee's there. I would believe him. (laughs) All right, Mike, let's see. Let's see how this goes. So I went to a zoo last summer, the York Zoo in Maine. And they had a mini version of the Alamo with a bunch of stupid prairie dogs just miserably roaming around and catching crumbs from the fat fucks eating pretzels. So if it can make it into a failing zoo, I think it can definitely make it into this movie. And I think that Pee Wee sends her a postcard to the most famous cliche place in Texas that says, remember the Alamo. So... Dave wins, not because Willie Nelson is in this movie, just because neither of you are right. Yes. So I will give a precursor to this. I had a friend who went to Texas and I asked him to do this for me, like to to do this exact thing for me because we're a big fan of the movie. Amazing. Is that he's talking to Dottie on the phone and he's like, no, seriously, I swear I'm in Texas. And she goes, prove it. And he holds the phone out and he goes, the stars at night shine big and bright. And everybody that's around him just stops what they're doing and goes deep in the heart of Texas and then just keeps moving. (laughs) That's amazing. Pretty great. I wouldn't have guessed that. But yeah, so Dave, congratulations on your victory on the the question. Back, Back in the winner's seat. Well, even though I lost, I still think I enjoy this movie. Now, Matt, I know that, you know, you gave us a few different suggestions and this was just one of them. But before we send you on your merry way, why this movie? Like, why is why is this movie important to you? Well, like I said, it was definitely one of those early movies that I watched obsessively. I love this movie so much that uh, are you familiar with the show The Goldbergs at all? I know of it. I haven't watched yeah, it. Yeah, same. My love of Pee Wee was so 
obsessive that there was an episode that aired where I got phone calls from about six different people that they're like, you have to watch this episode of the Goldbergs. <laughs> and the episode is that the main kid, Adam Goldberg, it's his birthday and his mom buys him a peewee replica bike. And he immediately runs upstairs and comes down in a full peewee cosplay <laughs> and just starts like doing the entire opening, like trying to do the Papa wheelies and everything. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that was me. Like that would have been me. If you presented me with the peewee bike, I would have been like, ha ha, let's do this. Like, you know, it just would have been like all, all crazy. And it, I'm very close to my brother. He's one of the co-hosts of Horror Movie Night. He's on a light sabbatical right now. But this is one of those movies that we quote constantly. We actually did this for Horror Movie Night. It was our 300th episode. We always try to do like our 50 is, is like that kind of magic number. Every time we hit 50 episodes, we do something special. Mm -hmm. And it's usually like films that shaped us into being horror fans. So we've done like Beetlejuice and we've done Pee-wee's Big Adventure because Pee-wee's Big Adventure, most of it's in the middle, but the stuff that's horrifying, like the large Marge scene is a scene that many people will tell you was like shit that scared the bejesus out of them as a child because it was so like... <laughs> You know, like there's a, like Who Framed yeah. Roger Rabbit's a great example of one where it's like there's just for what is such a kid friendly thing out of nowhere is just something that is like straight out of your nightmares and then just played like yeah you didn't just see that keep yeah, keep like moving kid like he's on without like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was like one of those things that was burned into my into my brain is like I was always afraid to watch horror movies as a kid but I loved watching Pee Wee and Beetlejuice and I think it's because like that early Tim Burton is like such a great little doorway mm -hmm. into horror but I mean I had a I think I sent you like 15 options <laughs> honestly I yeah, was a, it's a lot. I, I was trying I'm trying to go for breaking a bunch of records here I wanted to send the most options and get questions in earlier than anybody yeah so. you crushed it you you yeah. are a world record holder Matt including the most things that you do what should people check out if they loved you today, which they definitely did? Well, I literally have spent the last week, probably two weeks, binge watching the show Daria repeatedly to put together what ended up being a 30 minute long video about why Daria is my favorite TV show and how it's a better depiction of high school than any other television show. So if you go to Geekscape TV on YouTube, you can watch that mega video of me just breaking that shit down. But otherwise, <laughs> One Hit Thunder. I mean, I'm proud of every podcast I do, honestly, but One Hit Thunder is a big one for me. Horror Movie Night is another big one that has been a blessing in my life for the last seven years. Geekscape, though, is kind of where you can find almost everything that I work on. Geekscape.net has all of my podcasts and a lot of my friends' podcasts. Actually, a show that I would like you guys to check out because I think both of their hosts would be great future guests for Center Cut is a, a show called 91 Donkey Lane. It's a all-in improv fantasy podcast about two roommates who live in a magical apartment and oh, uh, their friends in the Boston improv scene play different creatures that live in their apartment. So it's almost like a weird Pee Wee's playhouse in podcast form in a lot of ways. So check out, check them out, check out Geekscape. And if you want to start a podcast of your own, hit me up at weknowpodcasting.com and Chris and myself will uh, help you out with whatever you need. Logo, theme song, editing, we're here for it. Yeah. And I, we've said it numerous times since we've had Chris on, but if you are not listening to One Hit Thunder podcast, factually, you are living your life incorrectly. You're doing yourself a large disservice. We, we have an amazing episode that came out like a week or two ago where I think we spent 25 minutes breaking down the first two lyrics of Seven Mary Three's Cumbersome. <laughs> 
<laughs> Great episode. And I'm very proud to say that we were on One Hit Thunder covering Hoopa Stanks The Reason. And Matt and Chris recently did a, a year-end retrospective like they do every year. <laughs> and our song was voted the worst song that they covered in the year. So you're welcome. very, very proud of that. Yeah. And I can tell you, if we were doing of all time, it would still probably be at the bottom. <laughs> oh, poor Hoobastank. No, extremely proud oh. of that. Extremely proud of that choice. <laughs> Matt, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. I, I hope I can come back one day if you'll have me. 100%. Absolutely. Because I have about 15 other suggestions. <laughs> yeah, we have a very long list to work through. <laughs> all right, David. That was a blast. Matt Kelly, oh, the man. What a man. What a man. But we're not here just to fawn over Matt. We need to also potentially fawn over Pee-wee's big adventure. So it's time for Center Counts. I was on the fence about this one, honestly. Mm. The first time I watched it, I was like, meh. The second time I watched it, I was like, okay, I enjoy this better. And then after listening to Matt talk about it for an hour plus, I mean, I am just so excited to go back and watch the middle of this and like all of the minutia and stuff like that, that I really kind of didn't notice is like, is so good to me. So I'm going to go with six, six out of seven, six out of seven. That's a high score. I'm pretty close behind you. I'm going to go with a five out of seven. And I already talked about my Freddy got fingered comparison. So that's basically mm-hmm. all five mm-hmm. points right there. And there's this also this weird, like fake nostalgia pull because Pee Wee was a part of my childhood, scary as it was, but I never saw this and I don't, I didn't even really watch the show that much, but like I had a lunchbox and a thermos. I think it's one of those things where like, it was just probably a bunch of Pee Wee stuff in Kmart and my mom was like, Ooh, I'll buy this. This is a thing a child will have, even though yeah. I, I never watched it. I can't so. say I ever had <laughs> any kind of Pee Wee memorabilia, but I am younger than you. So like right. at the point that I would have needed a lunchbox, having already been pee wee yeah. was probably pretty faux pas. <laughs> yeah. All those positive things said, I just can't give it a six or a seven because some parts, like the spring launching Francis into the sky at the end, they're just patently corny. And I know it's the eighties and I know I have to give it a pass for that, but it's some of those parts are just too corny for me. So Yeah, but they're like they're so corny and they were like the ori- kind of the original corny that I can get behind them. Five out of seven. Still, that is higher than I thought I would give this thing. For that sure. Is for sure. 100%. But David, that is a wrap for now on Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But what do we have coming down the line? Coming down the line, we're going to have a center chat next week. Would you rather win the Tour de France or save a bunch of pets from a burning building? <laughs> I know what most people would probably pick. I don't know. We'll see what we'll see. We'll it's see what happens be when we talk about it. It's an interesting comparison because mm-hmm. we are not even comparing apples to apples or even oranges to apples. It's more <laughs> like comparing an apple to a minivan. Pretty much. So after that, one week from then or two weeks from now, depending on how you like to calculate time, because it can be a little <laughs> funky. February 2nd, we are doing season one of Downton Abbey. We have been meaning to do it forever. It was a suggestion from one of our listeners, wasn't it? Cucumber melon underscore 56. Yes. Thank you so much, Cucumber Melon. You left the and hammer handles off of your Instagram handle. Wow. That was a lot of handles. So, <laughs> so that's what's coming up. Aren't you excited? Listen, you wouldn't think that I'd be excited to do another show about old Britain, but here we are. You're starting to like them, folks. Slowly but surely, we're going to break them down <laughs> and destroy his will to live. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep. But if again, we've already mentioned it a couple times, but please go check out Matt Kelly's infinite number of things. Yes. You will be pleased. I think we'll we'll all agree. Yes, we will. All right, Dave. I've had enough talking about Pee Wee for the moment. Okay, cool. Like the space between the first ha and the last ha. It's always better in the center. <laughs>